0: If you have your Bibles, I know most people don't carry Bibles anymore, they use the phone or some people do, (laughs) but you could feel free to use the TV screens. We're going to be looking at, the last time I spoke we looked at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. Today we're going to look at John chapter 1 verses 6 through 18. And in our reading today, John continues to magnify the greatness of Jesus Christ. In the first five verses, the last time I spoke, John established something very significant in the Christian life. Something very significant in what we believe. And that is that Jesus Christ is God. To believe anything less than that Jesus Christ is God means you cannot be a Christian. Now the remaining 14 verses of this, what we call prologue, this introduction to John's gospel. John tells us that this word that was with God and was God now took on humanity and lived in the midst of the human race. It's incredible. Do you ever think of that? How incredible that is, that God took on human flesh and lived in the midst of his creation. I don't know about you, but that wows me. And it's equally as heretical to deny his humanity as much as it is to deny his divinity. And he not only lived among among us, but he brought light to this lost sinful humanity, bringing grace and truth so they may believe and become witnesses about Jesus Christ. Sadly, most did not receive the light. But to, to those who did, they became children of God who bore witness about Christ and reflected the light of Christ, which brought glory to God. This is true then, and it still remains true today. Nothing has changed. We may, have the, we may not have the physical Jesus walking with us today in our midst, but we have the Holy Spirit and we have the scriptures. Stand with me as we read John chapter 1, verses 6 through 18, please. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this is the most, I think, one of the most astounding verses in the whole Bible. Grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made known. Let's pray. Father, illuminate our minds and our hearts today with this text. Help us to understand the reality of who Jesus is. And not only that, help us to believe and trust it. And not only that, to bear witness to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My wife and I just recently... leased a new car. A matter of fact, it was only a couple of weeks ago. And this... These new cars have computers in them. And... it's amazing... that the, with the computer in the car... the functions that are, the car is able to do from this computer. One thing is cruise control. Now that's not a really a new thing, a cruise control your, your desired speed maybe 50 miles an hour if you're on, on a highway and if you're going up the hill it continues 50 miles an hour, if you're going downhill it, the computer knows 50 miles an hour, there are sensors that let you know if the car is on either side of you, my wife loves that feature, you know, it lights up to tell you that there's a car on the other side of you so you don't go over and crash into it and Intelligent all-wheel drive, which automatically helps your car handle different road conditions, whether it be wet, icy, snowy, or dry. It's amazing. Totally amazing. I am amazed at it. it. Some will automatically park for you. Pull up to parallel park, You press a button, and it parks. And and by the way, you don't have to be a rich person to get a car like this. This is becoming standards in in cars. There's another feature which I like. I was practicing. My wife was screaming her head off. It actually drives without you on the highway, without you without your hands on the steering wheel. It's crazy. It's crazy. It, it, it knows when to stop. It has sensors. It knows when to stop. It knows to keep you in the lane. And then when the car stops because there's traffic in front of you, when the traffic begins, it begins to move again. Another feature is when I'm backing up to park, And I didn't notice, I found this, out. I didn't know I had this feature until the car just suddenly stopped when I was backing up and almost hitting to the guy behind me. And many more features that the car can do because of the computer system inside of it. And If you're a believer, you have the power of Christ dwelling in you through His Holy Spirit and His Word. You can bear witness about Christ Reflect his light to this dark sinful world and glorify God because of the computer system the car can perform all of these wonderful features eternally greater we can do all things to Christ who strengthens us my proposition to you for this text is because Christ lives in you you bring Christ to this lost world four points I'm going to bring to you from this text we're only going to look at two tonight but I'm going to bring four points two tonight and next time I preach first point is because Christ lives in you he sends you to bear witness about him point two because Christ lives in you you bring light to the dark sinful world point three because Christ lives in you you behold his glory and point four because Christ lives in you he reveals the Father to you let's look at the first point because Christ lives in you he sends you to bear witness about him verses 6 through 8 again and also verse 15 there was a man sent from God his name was John this is John the Baptist this is not the writer of the gospel he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said he comes after me, ranks before me because he was before me. John the Baptist was a great man, to say the least. And I'm going to give you a little background on John. Actually, Pastor Brian, last week when he preached, spoke a little bit about the background on John. And I'm going to give you a little more tonight. He was a prophet. He preached, his message was basically repentance. Repentance. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. That's a great job to have, the forerunner of the Messiah. And John was very unique. He was not to drink wine or strong drink, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit at birth. This is before the Holy Spirit came in the fullness. John the Baptist had the fullness of the Spirit at birth. And as a prophet, he would have the spirit and power of Elijah of the Old Testament. He wasn't Elijah, but he had the spirit and the power of Elijah. His role was just like Elijah's. And his role was to prepare the Lord's people for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now he was, well maybe the hippies would say back in the 60s, he was a strange cat. I mean, he wore camel's hair. Brian spoke on that last week. The the thought of that itches me. Camel's hair. He wore a leather belt. Well that doesn't sound too bad. And he ate locusts and wild honey. That, that repulses me. Locusts. Wild honey. I don't even... I, I like honey. I, I, one time, my wife and I, we were trying something different. We bought the organic raw honey. And just the, the, the taste was okay. It tasted like honey, but the smell was... So I can't imagine what... You know, John, camel's hair, leather belt, locusts, wild honey. He was a strange he was very unique John was also very bold in his preaching Luke tells us he called the crowd you brood of vipers because they thought by being a physical descendant of Abraham they would be safe we need more preachers today that would preach something like that, John today would be called the hell, fire and brimstone preacher Brian was that two weeks ago John also baptized Jesus. What a privilege to baptize the Messiah. And, and there was a reason for that. He, was, he baptized him to fulfill all righteousness. It was his father's will for Jesus to be identified with sinners. See, you think Jesus just came to be nailed to a cross. But he had to live his whole life. A perfect life. Identified with sinful people like we are. And finally, John was imprisoned and then beheaded. John was a great prophet. By no stretch of the imagination do we think that John was less than a great prophet. He was a great prophet. He was a great witness for Christ. Jesus speaks of John as the greatest prophet that ever lived. All the prophets before him were not as great as John. Because John had the privilege and honor of announcing that Jesus is the Savior. He was the forerunner of Christ himself. In verse 29 of the first chapter, John was baptizing and saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a great man this Baptist was. And yet, you need to pay attention now. And yet, Jesus also tells us in Matthew eleven eleven. The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You mean, are you you born again? Are you in the kingdom of heaven? If you're in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, you were greater than John the Baptist. Why? Why? John did everything God asked him to do. He baptized Jesus. He came, he said prepare the way in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Why would Jesus say the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he? I mean we all believe that John went to heaven because the cross and the resurrection at that point did not take place yet. Now the work is completed. We have a greater understanding than John did. And also now we have the Holy Spirit in its fullness, in his fullness. It doesn't mean when we go to heaven somehow we're going to have a greater reward than John or the prophets. No, but on earth John or the prophets did not yet have the reality of Christ's death and resurrection. You and I have that privilege now. They only had a shadowy understanding of what was to take place. You and I and all believers of Christ on this side of the cross have a fuller understanding of the redemption through Christ. Another thing is he was a humble man. I mean you have to be a humble man to eat locust. (laughs) And to wear camel's hair. He was a humble man in this. That he knew that Christ was superior to him. John, the writer of this gospel, tells us that John the Baptist was not the light. But came to bear witness about the light. And John the Baptist himself said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. In other words, what John the Baptist is saying is... Jesus is far greater than he was because Jesus existed long before him. Like he knew, this is the Messiah, this is God. Later on in the chapter, John the Baptist all freely confessed that he wasn't the Christ. He wasn't Elijah or the prophet. This is when the Jews questioned him, who are you? He said, I'm not the Christ, I'm not the prophet, and I'm not Elijah. And then they said, well, who are you? He said, I'm one voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. As a matter of fact, John freely confessed that Jesus must increase and he must decrease. Now that's humility. That's humility. We need humility like John the Baptist. There's a church in Sunset Park. And we go to feed the homeless every Thanksgiving. And right across the street from the church, this other church, there's a big picture of the pastor. He needs to read this. I'm not suggesting he should put a picture of Christ. But he needs to read this. We must decrease. He must increase. I hope after 40 years of salvation that I understand that I'm decreasing and Christ in me is increasing. We could see, studying John's life, that he was a humble man and he knew Christ was eternally, not just superior to him, he knew that he was eternally superior to him. This is the kind of God that we serve so John the Baptist was sent by God and came to bear witness he was created for this even though Jesus was eternally superior to the Baptist, John makes a point that he was sent from God and does not diminish John the Baptist's greatness he doesn't diminish it, John the Baptist was great, the prophets were great the apostles were great, but Christ is infinitely greater than all of them He com- his commission was no less than divine, sent by God. His work that he was commissioned for was to a reason, to bear witness about the light. What light? Light meaning Christ. He's the light of the world. Christ gives light to mankind so they can see their wickedness and need of eternal life found only in him. Only in him. John himself wasn't the light. He said that. John The writer of this gospel says it. He says that. But he reflected the light. John's gospel doesn't focus on the Baptist identity. But he focuses on his function. He was to be a witness about the light. Now John. Really. If you read his gospels. He really hones in on the word witness. Or testify. Or testimony. And the Greek word for witness and testify. Are basically the same word. And it's used frequently in this gospel. John uses it frequently, probably more than any other gospel. And is where we get our English word martyr. Now, when you think of the word martyr, we typically think of a person who was killed because of their religious beliefs. Islam has martyrs. I'm sure Buddhists, Buddhists have martyrs and, 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 and Hindus have martyrs. And certainly, we know John the Baptist and all the apostles, except John, who wrote this gospel were killed for their witness about Christ. They were all killed except John. They were true martyrs. They were true witnesses. John is big on the word witness, as I said before. He's big on testimony. He's big on testifying. And as we went through the gospel over the years, we saw around seven witnesses about Jesus. The Father. The Father was a witness about Jesus. You can see that in chapter 5 and chapter 8 of John's gospel. Christ himself was a witness about himself. We can see that in chapter 8 and chapter 18. The spirit bore witness to Jesus. Chapter 15. The work of Jesus. Everything Jesus did bore witness of who he was. Chapters 5 and 10. The the Old Testament scriptures bore witness about Jesus. Chapter 5. And a variety of human witnesses remember the woman at the well, chapter 4 the Samaritan woman, she bore witness and the disciples all bore witness of Christ, and of course John the Baptist here, we get a fuller description of his witnesses of his witness in, chap, in the same chapter verses 9 through 34 all the witnesses about Christ throughout this gospel, listen had facts, not opinions they all had facts not mere opinions. Why do we need witnesses? Well, both Deuteronomy and Corinthians tells us that the testimony of multiple witnesses establish a matter of truth. A few years back, I was summoned to jury duty. As a matter of fact, Pastor Brian, Sister Terry, my wife, we were all summoned to jury duty at the same time. All different days. We all postponed And we put the same date on. Guess what? We all got called the same date. Now how fantastic is that? You're off from work and you go to jury duty with your wife and your brother-in-law and your sister-in-law. Well, as God's providence would have it, Terry and I get called into a room, a big room. It wasn't this typical small room where the lawyer comes in and he's questioning you. By the way, if you ever want to get out of jury duty, just bring your Bible. I've got out of jury duty so many times. I just bring my Bible and I hold it. Do your, do your civic duty. <laughs> my wife just rebuked me. But I, 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 we went into this big room and, 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 and the judge was there. And the room was packed. I mean, there was a lot of people there. I didn't, you, you know, my normal experience was, was a small room and a lawyer and, you know, they ask you a few questions. That's it. So the room was packed and the judge is up on this big platform and he, he must have saw my Bible and he said, Mr. Verde, and, you know, I, don't, I get a little intimidated in front of people. Mr. Verdi, if someone swore on a stack of Bibles, does that mean he's telling the truth? I said, no. I said, no, of course not. He said, well then, how do you establish if someone is wrong? So I called the scriptures. I said, well, every truth is established by two or three witnesses. And that was it. They dismissed me. <laughs> and throughout this gospel, John presents multitude witnesses verifying the Christ. John was one of them. And it was as if John the Baptist came into the courtroom of the world and gave evidence that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the light of the world. Listen with what Dr. Morris Leon Morris, a great Australian theologian he says about witness or testimony testimony he says is a serious matter and means of substantiating the, th- the truth of a matter there is a legal air about it it is clear that our author wants his readers to take what he writes as reliable he is insistent that there is good evidence for the things he sets down witness establishes the truth the witness of believers is important, your witness is important. make no mistake about that, and I believe when we speak the pure word of the gospel to someone, God is a witness about Christ and his gospel through us by His spirit and his word. Amen. but there was a purpose there is a purpose for witness. verse seven the half of second half of verse seven tells us so that Through him, through John the Baptist, all men might believe. What's your purpose for sharing, witnessing, testifying to the truth of the gospel? That all may believe through you. Believe what? Believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Believe that he was sent by God. Believe in his teachings. Believe who he is. He's God in human flesh. Believe what He has done. He suffered and died on the cross and was resurrected back on the third day. Back to life. Believe that He is King. Believe that He is Lord. Believe that he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. We bear witness about Christ so that through our witness all might believe. There's a story I read about John Pershing. Anybody ever hear of John Pershing, the World War, World War I general? And this is from an unknown writer. And he said this, We are told that in one of his speeches to the soldiers of the First World War, General Pershing said, I have known Jesus Christ now for 47 years, and I could face life without him. It is no small thing to know that the, all the past is forgiven, that help is available from God every day. God. Then he continued, the stalwart general. He said, I commend such a savior to you. Are you commending the savior to others? Are you bearing witness about the light that is in you? You're forgiven. You get help from God every day. And I want to encourage you. For those of you who are timid about witnessing. About the light that resides in you. Pray and ask God to help you. And then by faith go and share Christ. Some of you may object and say, well, I'm not John the Baptist. I'm not a forerunner of the Messiah. And you're right. You're not the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist was a unique, had a unique role. He was one of a kind, but make no mistake about this. If you're a Christian, you've been sent by God to be a witness. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Jesus himself said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age Jesus did not give us a command we could not fulfill, if Jesus says I want you to do this that means we can do this now listen, we're imperfect at it yes, do we fail at it, yes But we strive for that. We go on. We move on. And we don't make excuses about it. When I fail at this, I confess it to God and I go on. I move on. And if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit who empowers you for such witnessing. Like the new cars today that have computers to give the car ability to perform different functions. Jesus empowers you to do whatever he asks you to do. That's right. Matter of fact, Jesus told His disciples, He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That wasn't just for His disciples. That's us. Bay Ridge is our Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Bay Ridge is our Jerusalem. And I cannot stand here and contradict Jesus. You are not sent to save people. You're not sent to save people. You know what you're sent to do? To tell them how to get saved. It's amazing that even when you're timid about witnessing about Christ, when you do it by faith, you become bold. Not arrogant. Some people are arrogant. I've listened to some people witness. They're arrogant. But you become bold about the witness of Christ. How can anyone be saved apart from the gospel. It can't happen. Romans, Paul tells the Roman church in the 10th ch- chapter, the 13th to the 15th verse, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes on to say this, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is not just for the preacher. This is for every single Christian. Do you know your feet are beautiful when you go and tell people about Jesus? That's the great commission that we bear witness and make disciples. That's the church's primary function in this life. We have funct- other functions in this life. Worship. But our worship is imperfect here. If, if, if it was about worship, God might as well take us to heaven, because in, in heaven, worship is going to be perfect. Fellowship. Fellowship is imperfect here. Our, our, our relationships are not as good as they can be, even with Christians. If that was the main focus, then God would take us to heaven. Our main focus is making disciples, without neglecting the worship and without neglecting fellowship. Because in heaven, we're not going to make disciples; we make disciples here. Right. That's right. The same Greek word was used for sent. And how are they pre- preach? How are they to preach unless they are sent? We are sent. John the Baptist was sent. And so are we to bear witness of the glorious gospel. I, I, don't, I don't want to put him on the spot. But Brother Patty Mackey, two weeks ago, said to me, John, get me a couple of John MacArthur, John MacArthur study Bibles. Because he's been bearing witness. And he tells people about Jesus. And then he follows up, helping them to become disciples if they, if they become believers. And he gives them Bibles to read. We need to be bolder in, in our preaching we need not to be fearful because that was point one because Christ lives in you he sends you to bear witness about him point two because Christ lives in you you bring light to the dark sinful world let's read verses 9 through 13 and we'll stop with that point because we have two more but it'll be too long and he says the true light gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all that did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So let's talk about, briefly here, about bringing this light we reflect to this world, the different reactions and the sovereign God who wills to save some. You see, John the Baptist was bearing witness about the light. And as I said before, he was not the light, but reflected the light. We are not the light, we just reflect the light. Jesus is the light. He is the light this gospel is speaking about. The Old Testament has many references of God lighting the way for Israel. That God was the light of Israel. For example, when they wandered in the wilderness Uh, um, After the Exodus, the Lord went before them by day in in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night. Who do you think that light was? It was Christ. The same Christ who, when Moses struck the rock and water came out, the New Testament tells us that rock was Christ. That light was Christ. The psalmist tells us, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Jesus' light is an illuminating light that is truth and holiness, which is the opposite, opposite of darkness where sin lies and dwells. In other words, Christ gives light to mankind so they can see their own wretchedness and need of eternal life found only in him. Dr. John Davis who preached there a couple of weeks ago from his book Biblical Themes said one of the great themes of John is life and that all light, spiritual illumination comes from Jesus. Men can only have light to know God through Jesus Christ. I love John Davis. got a great mind. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John the Baptist came not to be the light, to point them to the light. We're called to point people to the light. Only when the true light invades our minds and hearts is darkness dispelled. Because everyone outside of Christ is... What? Blinded. Paul said, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, the only thing that ever dispels darkness in anyone's life, make no mistake about this, is Christ. When I came to Christ 40 years ago... It was like the light turned on in my heart, and my mind, and I began to understand the things of God. Only God can dispel the darkness in this world. Not the Republicans, not the Democrats. Only Christ, one by one. And the Word was the true light. It was real. It was genuine, not a false like, like Satan who disguises himself as an angel of light, as Corinthians tells us. And not only him, but all the false teachers, pastors and ministers that preach heresy. No, Jesus is the true light, as well as the true bread that came down from heaven, as well as the true vine, and he is the true God. Jesus came into the world, not as a created being, but he was God stepping in time and space, the world, the sinful world, and gives light to everyone. Jesus stepped into this world, into this rebellious world that he created. He didn't create rebellion, he didn't create sin, but he created the world. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. All things were created through him and for him. And he created all things good. But sin entered the world and darkness overshadowed it. And now Christ steps in and gives light to every man. This does not mean universal salvation. Not everyone is going to be saved. As a matter of fact, most will not, because they reject the light. But he gives light to all men in this sense, that his gospel is available to all. Please, don't ever be prejudiced about who you speak the gospel to. If you don't like the way they look, if you don't like this about them, that about them, let let that not hinder you giving the gospel but the world he came to and brought light to didn't know him. They missed who he was. They missed the time of his visitation. Dr. Herman Ritterboss said, even though the world was created through the word, it did not recognize the, that word because it was estranged from him. The world is estranged from God. We go out into the world, we tell him the good news of Christ. Even his own chosen people rejected him. Israel. It's one thing, and bad enough that the pagan world didn't recognize the light. But even his own people, Israel, who should have known better, rejected him. They had the Old Testament scriptures that pointed to him. They were God's chosen people. They were Abraham's physical descendants. They had the Torah, the law of God. But just as they rebelled in the desert and then when they entered the promised land they continued their rebellion when Jesus showed up they rebelled again that's why Stephen could say you stiff necked people and we have a lot of stiff necked people today they had no excuse was it just the Jews who had no excuse was it the Jew who missed the time of his visitation the Bible says all Will be without excuse. I hope you have not missed. Christ's visitation. He's still visiting. Most reject Jesus. And if they reject Jesus. If the world rejects him. Make no mistake about it. They'll reject you too. And your message. Of the gospel. I I said this before. Don't expect a ticker tape parade when you give the gospel to someone. You know, they're going to put John Verdi on this 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 little car going down Fifth Avenue with confetti coming out of the. He's preaching the gospel. That's not going to happen. The world is not waiting with bated breath to receive the gospel from you. That's for sure. John said. In Jesus said in John chapter fifteen verses eighteen and nineteen, it says, "If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you." If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Hey, John the Baptist, what did he do? He bore witness about Christ. And what happened to him? What happened to him? Beheaded. (laughs) Nothing has changed concerning man's heart. They still love darkness rather than light. You know why? Because their deeds or their works are evil. You see, if they came into the light, their works will be exposed. I've led some people to Christ over the years that I'm a Christian, but most of the people I shared Christ with rejected Him. Some Christians in other parts of the world suffer intense persecution to the losing of their lives out of love for Jesus and bearing witness about Him. They bear witness about Jesus in Muslim, Hindu and Buddhist countries and many don't like the light so they try to extinguish the light by killing them. But they can't extinguish the light. If you're in a dark room, you light just a little candle, it dispels the darkness. Darkness can't overtake the light, but light overtakes darkness. That's the bad news, that the world rejects Christ. So they reject you and the message you bring. The good news is this. Verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. I see a little election in this passage. <laughs> Receiving and believing is more than an intellectual assent or belief. It has to do with trusting Christ with your life, believing from your heart all that Christ is and all that he does. I've heard over, many, over the many years people saying they believe in Jesus. But there's no change in their life, there's no fruit, and they believe in Jesus. There's always fruit. Genuine saving faith believes everything the scripture says about him. It has nothing to do with racial or ethnic heritage. It has nothing to do with... You could be an, a descendant of Abraham. You could be Catholic. You could be Christian parents. You could you trust in your Christian parents. You could go to sonship. It has nothing to do... It has all to do with receiving and believing in Jesus Christ. And those responding to the light become children of God. I love that. Mm -hmm. This is the good news that John wants his readers to know. He wants them to believe in the Son of God so they can become children of God. Praise God. Listen, I don't get tired of hearing this. Mm -mm. I've read the Gospel of John. Now don't say this as a boast. I've read the Gospel of John at least 40, 50 times, maybe even more. I do not get tired of hearing this. I hope you don't get tired of reading this over and over again or hearing it over and over again because I want to grow deeper in my understanding about Christ. I don't want to stay the same. I want to grow. Peter said grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. John, that was John's purpose. As a matter of fact, John clearly gives the reader of his gospel, the purpose he wrote in the 20th chapter the 31st verse he said he wrote these things in his gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name nothing, nothing can thwart God's plan of salvation, nothing if God sets out to save a person nothing will thwart that we call it in the reformed faith, we call it irresistible grace because it's not their will it's not man's will but salvation is solely by God's will Jesus told the grumbling Jewish leaders of Israel he said no one can come to me unless the father who sent me I'm sorry the father who sent me draws me When God regenerates a lost sinner's heart, he or she will receive and believe and become covenant people of God, a privilege that was lost by the Messiah's own people, as Dr. Carson rightly says. And the person who is not chosen by God, get this, he's still responsible for his sin and his destination. John makes that very clear. He said, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. But again, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What a privilege and honor to be called a child of God. What status God gives you as a believer. And I want to end this point before I conclude with with this fantastic comment he gave the right to become children of God by Dr. Bruce Milne. He says, In a world where rank count, counted for everything, and the majority of the population were slaves without rights or freedoms, or any prospect of ever acquiring them, the gospel carried immense appeal as a, pe- as a message which promised all people, irrespective of rank, nothing less than personal membership within the family circle of God. Nobody's we're in a moment transformed into somebody's. Even today, with all our valued rights and freedoms, so many people suffer from a crippling lack of self-worth, not least within the Christian community. How relevant, therefore, is a gospel which tells us that as Christians we are nothing less than the personally valued, dearly loved children of God, irrespective of how others may see us or even of how we see ourselves. That's the power of the gospel. That's not your power, you making yourself great or somebody else making you great. That's the power of the gospel. Because Christ lives in you, you bring light to this dark sinful world so some may, may become children of God and see themselves as God now sees them. You and I, are the means God uses through our witness to create children of God. And I end with this, wow. Did you ever lead someone to Christ through your witness? You don't have to raise your hand. It's wonderful, you know that. You know the joy of leading someone to Christ. Did you ever witness about Christ to someone and they rejected it? It's still wonderful. Why is it still wonderful? Not the rejection but the opportunity and obedience for witnessing. You and I are sent to bear witness about Jesus and to reflect his glorious light to a sinful world. The next time I preach, I will cover the last two points of this section. Because Christ lives in you, you will behold his glory. That's something I even want to know. And point four, because Christ lives in you, he reveals the Father to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you your word we thank you for the witness of John the Baptist that helped us to understand who Christ is we thank you God that we all can be witnesses for Christ because of the Holy Spirit in us because of the new creation that we now are and that love we have for you we want to express to others and I pray for this church that we have a deep conviction about loving others and bringing them the gospel. We love you, God, and we thank you for the atoning death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. Help us to share that with a lost and dying world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.